It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Dallas Estate Planning and Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, who is my attorney and should be your attorney, and I welcome you to another Estate Planning Essentials program, successfully and brilliantly protecting your family, your assets, and you. And I say good morning to you, Michael Cohen. Good morning, Don. How are you? Doing well. Good. Spring is in the air. Do you have a bounce in your step now that things are warming up? Oh, you know, I have uh, uh, something in my bonnet, I guess. I've got to be in my bonnet. <laughs> yeah, and a bounce in your step. I like that. I think that's poetic, and I think we should do something about that. i got to be in my bonnet and bounce in my step. I think that's the beginning of a song or something, Michael. Well, I don't know. I said the bonnet because of the Easter bonnet. Uh, ah, so, uh, good connection. I'm glad. That, I don't know if I want to be in your bonnet or a bunny in your bonnet. I don't know what's safer and healthier there, but hopefully the, the bee is harmless and... This program is to prevent harm from people who are doing estate planning, wanting to protect their heirs and their assets, and you've been doing that for decades now and on KWAM here for seven, eight years. I've lost track for how long we've been doing this program, but you've helped countless number of people over the years, and um, this program will hopefully continue to do that. Uh, Before I start with the program and the topic, I just want to mention to everybody once again, that the next workshop is Tuesday, April the 6th at 1 o'clock. And to sign up for those workshops that are free, they're online, they're virtual, just dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102. Go to DallasElderLawyer.com to answer any questions that have surfaced in the last few weeks or months or may as a result of this program today. And for the topic of today, Michael wants to talk about that thing that I certainly repudiate, and I think a lot of others do too, because they're so general and they're not specific, and in my mind, they're dangerous, and that is what's called a will that you do or someone else does, typically you do, online or on the Internet, and how dangerous that can be. Michael? You know, it could be dangerous because a lot of times, I'm not saying that all all online wills are bad or anything like that. However, um, I can say this. I had one in uh, just a couple days ago, uh, and it was alarming how many different things were wrong that would cost the uh, person trying to probate the will uh, or their estate uh, a lot of different issues and that were probably unintended just because they just didn't know what they were doing. And the, and the, and the will itself also created additional cost because it didn't cover, while it was a valid will in Texas, it was didn't cover all the different things that are required under Texas law. Yeah. It in a lot more expense to the estate. So let me tell you the facts. And uh, in this case, and uh, in this case, uh, the wife was going, is going through a divorce and has cancer. 
mm-hmm. and could and could be in it was um, a cancer in which she should probably die uh, any day now or within the next few months. She her sister came from out of state to help her out, and so she got an online will. Uh, the first problem that she had uh, was that besides not filling in the blanks was that when she did fill in the blanks, it was in the sister's handwriting. So that means it's not a valid will to begin with. Is that right? <laughs> that that automatically disqualifies it because well, it wasn't I mean, in her writing. I mean, it has to be wholly in the handwriting of the person who whose will it is. Wow. So mistake number one, don't have somebody else's handwriting for your will. Okay. Two <laughs> percent. Mm-hmm. All right. So, again, they didn't know. They're not an attorney. So, oh, and, you know, of course, they wanted to cut out the the soon-to-be ex-husband, although she may die before the divorce gets final. Right. Now, all of a sudden, if they don't have a will, guess who gets it? everything? Oh, boy. The mm-hmm. husband, she was trying mm-hmm. to divorce. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. <laughs> so mistake number one, well, probably the first mistake, <laughs> is not getting somebody to understand what you're doing to before you do it. You don't do surgery on yourself. But that's, right. okay, so mistake number one, and by the way, they didn't even sit on where it said last will and testament of, didn't even say the name. So since you brought that up, I, you automatically brought a question to mind real fast. What if the sister uh, hand wrote the will, but the woman that was dying uh, signed it. Does that count? Yeah, wouldn't be wouldn't be any good. Oh my goodness. Okay. You know, because and, and even if if let's say let's say it was good, let's say it was a valid will. Do you think there might not be some sort of conflict or undue influence or a question about capacity? Yes. So it would be questionable. So the the soon to be hopefully ex husband. What do you think he would do? He yeah. would say no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is there's something rotten in Denmark. We had our problems like every marriage, but um, you know, and she might have been threatening or, or flirting with the idea of getting divorced, but you know, she had done that before, and so we were fine, and therefore everything goes to me would be his argument, and I'm sure he wouldn't be the first to make that. Jackie Onassis, remember the famous Jackie Onassis? Yes, she was getting divorced from Aristotle Onassis. But before the divorce was final, where she was to only get X or Y, he died. And guess mm-hmm. what? She got she got it all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, the yachts, the everything. I mean, we're talking, uh, I, mean, well, I don't know about everything, thing, but I, I could guarantee you she got a lot more than she would have got if they got divorced. As we've talked about, too, certain spousal rights, uh, in this case, uh, the actual husband lives in a different state, so mm-hmm. now you got two different states' laws too, and whether the law the the uh, it, it, so it could be that if there was property in another state, then we have to deal with the property in the other state as well. Anyway, so usually, so for example, uh, I had somebody that called this week. They had probated the will in Mississippi, but they own property in Texas. Well, there's certain things that you have to do to get the property in Texas to whoever the rightful uh, beneficiaries are. Uh, and the laws are different from state to state. There's things called ancillary probate, ancillary probate. So uh, to deal with that, you just each laws of each state are different. So that's another thing. So they haven't considered the laws of the two states as well. 
the next problem they had, besides the fact that it wasn't good to begin with, <laughs> was that on the, you know, she appointed uh, somebody as the personal representative. And now that's okay, uh, which is the equivalent of an executor. Uh, however, under Texas, in, in most states, if you say executor, that means you could do diff- just about anything. Um, but in Texas, you want to say that the executor is independent of court supervision. In other words, once you're appointed, you don't have to ever go back to court. Um, so, But this one, it didn't. And now, because it was a store-bought or online will, uh, it didn't think it's, it's a Texas will, so it's a valid will. It's just mm-hmm. going to be more costly to go through probate. So, for example, also, if you don't give the power to sell property. So let's say there was some real estate, and this one did not have the power to sell. So now a title company is going to say, well, uh, you need to go back to court to get the authority to be able to sell the real estate because you didn't have that in the will. So again, it was a valid will, but it's a more expensive will to, it didn't cost anything to buy, but you're, uh, the, I guess the attorneys appreciate it because it gives more and more legal fees because of the, um, the unfortunately, the, the will is deficient in um, covering the different types that usually just a simple will could cover yeah. uh, that any any attorney probably could do a simple will. Uh, well, I shouldn't say any attorney, anybody who has any knowledge about uh, wills and probate. Well, anyway, um, and I mentioned here that the husband is going to be X. Well, why don't you personally, it's going to be divorced. In other words, we should say that we specifically omit the husband. I don't want him to get a dime. I didn't just forget about him. I'm getting divorced, and I don't want him to get a dime. <laughs> right, because they could say yeah. that would be what, Michael, that's all human error. They just forgot. Of course they would never forget him, but if you say it overtly and blatantly, they get nothing, then the judge would honor that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear that, you know, that I what your intentions are. Make it clear. I mean, a lot of times we're a little bit more diplomatic. Let's say you have a, a child that you want to omit that you paid for different things throughout life or you become estranged from. And we say, well, I provided for so-and-so to the extent that I desired during my lifetime. So you said I didn't forget about him. I just said I've already taken care of him. You don't have to be so... Uh, you know, blunt about it, but just basically saying, I didn't forget. A lot of times people make, you know, they say, oh, I give to my children. Oh, well, what, except for so-and-so, or didn't say anybody. You know, you want to have a vision that basically says, if you're omitting somebody, you didn't forget about them. And I think you've also taught us over the years, too, that if an heir were to challenge the will, they also could be disqualified from inheriting anything. Yeah, well, you know, but there's, when you do... Um, you, we always put a no contest provision, but then the question becomes, should we give them something? Because if you, uh, if you say, okay, they get nothing yeah. and uh, they could still contest it, doesn't mean that they'll be successful, but if you give them something, then maybe they'll think twice and they'll just take the money and run. Uh, I give you $10,000, but if anybody, uh, contests that they run, they run the risk of, uh, they get nothing. So maybe that $10,000 prevents a lawsuit. Otherwise, they really have nothing to lose. Right. You took the words right out of my mouth. They had nothing to lose. So that's good thinking. Yeah. So it's up to the – we put no contest provisions even 
uh, if they don't get any specific request of any money or anything like that, just mm-hmm. as a kind of um, incentive not to do anything or at least a threat, because a lot of times people just don't know what the law is and so or what they can do. You know, most typically uh, people say that that when they contest a will that the person who signed the will either lacked mental capacity, they didn't know who the bounty of their affection was or something like that, or mm-hmm. there was undue influence. The sister wrote the things where she's the beneficiary of everything. Uh, is so is there undue influence? Was she in the room when that person signed the will? Uh, you know, that type of thing. Or uh, there was duress. Uh, those are type of equitable arguments to be made on many documents, not just a will, uh, but on other documents as well. So in other words, even a power of attorney, the ability to deal with uh, your assets during your lifetime, uh, if the person... Uh, lacked mental capacity, uh, or if they uh, had undue influence, those things could be set aside. Just like on ladybird deeds, the same thing could be said, or that we've talked about, or any other type of uh, legal document. A lot of times, if those things could be contested, somebody lacks capacity. That was what the reason why a lot of times banks or financial institutions didn't recognize powers of attorney. Uh, of, of different, uh, they were just saying no to all powers of attorney because people were getting these store-bought forms or online forms, and the, they were concerned that the people didn't have capacity because people were getting them just to sign something, and they had no clue. So they just said, all right, we're just not recognizing these different uh, forms because we don't trust individuals, uh, especially if we see shaky handwriting or something like that uh, because um, uh, of the possibility of uh, you know, their fraud, uh, right. that somebody lacked capacity. And, of course, the legislature changed that law a few years ago uh, to make it kind of a compromise so that uh, to relieve the banks of liability, they can't just say, no, there has to be a justifiable reason. But in any event, uh, undue influence, duress, lack of capacity are the things that often people use to contest a valid uh, legal document from being uh, if they want to say it's no good. Uh, in this case, there could have definitely been undue influence. Um, the next thing is the self, what we call the self-proving affidavit. The self-proving affidavit, at the end of the will, uh, you're supposed to have, say, certain things. If you have uh, at the end of the will about the witnesses signing in your presence and the presence of each other, that you had capacity, the witnesses were each over the age of 14, the testator, the one who signs the will, is over the age of 18, uh, things like that. Uh, in the So Texas has this language. And if you don't have that exact language, then you may have more difficulties in prove up. Mm-hmm. So when I say prove up, that means that I will have to have uh, the witnesses come to court. So if if this person, if the will was 20 years old, and this one, it didn't say that the witnesses were each over the age of 14. Oh, well, that means I have to bring the witnesses to court. And what if the will is 20 years old, which is one of the things that we saw earlier this week. Somebody mm-hmm. had a will that I said, who are these people? I have no clue. It's 20 years old. This <laughs> All right. Because they, they said, so what the notary did there on that case, by the way, was that they had another form, and where the notary blank was, it says, I witnessed this, uh, I, the notary, saw name, literally this is what it said, name and name, 
So they're supposed to fill in the blank what the names are, but they didn't fill in the blanks of who the names are. So when, when the notary made the mistake, that means that you have to bring in the witnesses. And how can, and now you have to find these witnesses from over 20 years ago. And what if the uh, witnesses, once they find them, are deceased? And then... Well, th- then what you have to do is get uh, two people who could recognize the handwriting oh. of, uh, of, the, uh, of the deceased. And you have to know that you made diligent search. So if you have to say you made diligent search for the uh, witnesses, uh, we have this on one case right now where the person, the witness, the attorney who did the will uh, over 20 years ago uh, now has dementia. Uh, so that, and the other person cannot be located. So mm-hmm. we, ha- we found the notary. But the law says you're supposed to have the, and some courts will allow with just having the notary uh, be testified, but the, uh, the court that we're in is requesting two handwriting uh, witnesses. In other words, if they could say that they are familiar with the handwriting, they recognize the handwriting, and it was the handwriting of the deceased. Now, a lot of times if you have an out-of-state will, so, for example, we had somebody who had a California will, and luckily, the attorney who's in his 80s, uh, we found that witness. Uh, and we have to say that if it was, if it didn't comply with Texas law, uh, if we could swear that it was complying with California law, then it would be okay. Problem was on that one. Besides the witness, is the notary failed to put their seal, so it wasn't notarized. <laughs> so you see that there's all these, all these little bitty things that could occur. Uh, by now, that was by an attorney, but the laws were different, maybe in California than they are in Texas. Again, you could in Texas we recognize the wills of other uh, in other states, provided uh, that it complies with the rules of that state. I wonder whether a will, any will, uh, would not be notarized uh, uh, unless it was just. Well, I, I'm not really sure. Uh, you know, I guess if you just have a wholly handwritten will or something, then that's possible. It's not mm-hmm. notarized. But generally, uh, you know, when their wills are prepared, they're, you know, you swear that you, there was your last will and testament. You're revoking all prior wills and codicils. You've asked the witnesses who are each over the age of 18 to sign this in your presence, in the presence of each other, uh, that you're over the age of 18 and you're sound exposing mind and memory revoking all those prior wills and castles. And you have an actual will signing ceremony to that effect uh, so that there's a, a record. And, of course, the notary puts things in the notary book uh, to make sure that those people uh, sign the notary book in case there is a contest. You know, So there's lots of different little bitty things. And, quite frankly, if you do it yourself, uh, DIY could be D-U-M-B. Yes. <laughs> Well, a, a little tiny ant could knock down the Dallas high-rise when it comes to planning. Um, one little mistake, as you call it, or one little bitty error uh, could wreck the whole thing, and then everything is out the door, and uh, you're going to lose a lot of money in uh, legal bills and probate and other lawsuits. It's just it's not worth it when you decide to go online, in our collective opinion, and create your own will or other state plan. It's so very dangerous. 
and you they just miss things. You know, the old adage goes, don't believe everything you read. Well, that's especially true on the Internet, whereas Michael specializes in this, and he's seven days a week. I don't, I don't know what he's doing on Sundays other than watching the Cowboys typically, but <laughs> if, if he's not... And I don't know why he's watching the Cowboys, but if he isn't, <laughs> isn't watching the Cowboys, he's probably thinking and working and planning. I just know this guy. So there are people built and made like him for you and me to make sure that we don't make these fundamental or tiny mistakes that could just ruin all of our planning while we're alive or when we're deceased. And to make certain uh, that your plan is as accurate and efficient and comprehensive as you want it to be. The first step in that direction is to attend his next virtual online workshop, which is Tuesday, April the 6th at 1 o'clock. And these are online, even though the Texas Rangers opening day is 100% capacity, so everybody gets to go to the game and they're not worried about social distancing. Uh, Michael's still going to be safe and do them online, and you can do it from the comforts of your own home until he says differently. Michael? Yeah, we do it virtually at this point. Uh, we hope that they'll be back live or at least give people the option and uh, as the year goes by. Mm-hmm. But right now we're still being safe to make sure that and not only that you're safe, that your family is safe. So, um, But we will eventually reopen to do things like we did pre-pandemic. Of course, our world has changed uh, since the pandemic. And yep. But in any event, we want you to be feel safe. Uh, uh, and so at this time, we're doing it online to go to the next workshop where you can ask any questions, whether about estate planning or Medicaid. So you can talk about anything you would like, not only just about wills or estate planning, but about Medicaid or veterans benefits, anything in connection with uh, estate planning by going to our free estate planning essentials workshop where we just ask you, what do you want to know? And for two hours, we we go over whatever your questions are and the questions of others and talk about estate planning essentials so that you or you and your loved ones are protected the way you would like. Again, to attend the next free uh, state planning essentials workshop, as you mentioned earlier, is just call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. And, you know, don't worry if you've never done Zoom before. We have somebody specifically tells you how to do it and make it so simple that all you have to do is click on a button. If you do go to the free estate planning essentials workshop, uh, we also give one more bonus, and that is one hour free visitation to go over your own individuals, individual situation rather, uh, without any cost. Uh, so again, we could just talk to you about your problems and see if you could solve those problems. Uh, again, by just calling that two one four. 720-0102 telephone number or signing up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. Very good. Um, the theme of the day is Zoom. Um, Zoom Michael uh, and his workshop uh, on Tuesday, April the 6th at 1 o'clock. But at the same time, I'm suggesting you not go with legal Zoom uh, or an Internet will provider because, as I said in the beginning of the program, it is dangerous because they will miss things. Michael plays this sniper. Hey, show me your will. Show me your estate plan. And I just know Michael sits there, and he's going to point out things. Did you? Did you realize? Do you know what about this? Is a comma missing? Who signed this? What color pen are you using? Is it in the same uh, handwriting? Et cetera, et cetera. 
Michael does this in his sleep, basically, and I know, uh, pardon the cliche, but he does, and there's so many things to worry about and think about. I don't think those Internet will providers can keep up like you can, Michael. I mean, objectively, is that wrong? Well, I won't point out any particular names like you did, but mm-hmm. uh, I will say this. Uh, a lot of attorneys kind of actually kind of like the fact when people do these things on the Internet because it ends up being more costly, uh, which I'm not right. trying to. So, right. I, so uh, I, I personally feel like, you know, I'm not saying that all all Internet forms are bad or anything like that. And I'd rather mm-hmm. somebody have something than nothing. Right. And I think as this, illust- as this story illustrates, there could, a lot of things could go wrong. And so I really don't, whether whatever it is in life, you know, I know a lot of times we've gotten into this do-it-yourself uh, world, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of times when you do it yourself, you're just not really, um, there's a lot of things that you could do that you just don't know that how you can screw things up. I Personally, I was talking with my staff today about getting uh, some new technology, and I said, look, you know, I could go to some uh, office depot or something like that to try to get some knowledge from that other person, whoever sells what the product is. But the bottom line is I don't know enough about it, so I'm going to get somebody who does, right. who whatever it is, um, because, you know, it's not my expertise. I'm going to stick in the area that I know about, and I know you like to feel like we could save money by doing things yourself, but uh, what do we really want to do? We want to protect our family, and the best way to do that is to have some sort of professional look over whatever it may be as far as on legal documents. I don't recommend people doing surgery on themselves. Yeah, this is not fixing a window in your media room. This is your estate plan. This is huge. You know, there's a lot of money at stake and taxes at stake too, which Michael hasn't even talked about today, but they're always coming into play, especially with a new president and a new administration. But that's for another program uh, for today. Uh, attend Michael's next workshop. The best way to do that online, of course, uh, and it's free, of course. Uh, dial 214-720-0102-214-720-0102. Go to DallasElder, E-L-D-E-R, lawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, or just Google Michael Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, Dallas, Texas attorney, and you can sign up that way. We appreciate your time and education today, Michael Cohen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- 720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 214-720-0102.